Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you, and welcome to another world show. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by the man whose Tarzan take is going to age about as well as my peanut take, I'd imagine. Uh, maybe worse, I would probably we'll argue. Uh, and uh, we are also, of course, joined again by friend of the show, Mr. Hayaki Muru from Dororo. <laughs> Hang on a second. You're gonna have to spell that out for me. I've got to judge this one. H H Y A K K I M A R U. Who the shit is this? From Dororo. Ah, they look. You know what? I know nothing about them, but their hair's kind of cool. Yeah, I'll that's... take it. There I'll take go. it. There you go. Mm. Uh, so yeah, you guys know the drill. Uh, before we talk any League of Legends, um, it is of course time for my patented "Would you rather." And I will start with you, Mr. Nymera. Would you rather have a 10-year career in any esport of your choice? Let's just say as a player coach, mm -hmm. doesn't really matter. 10-year career and you win absolutely everything. You basically complete the game, as it were, from a sort of uh, achievement standpoint. Be regarded as like the GOAT or very close to the GOAT of, of said game. Um, but the whole time during this 10-year career... You're not miserable as a person, per se, but you don't like the game. You actively dislike the game, but oh. you just understand that, you know, it's part, oh. it's part of you. Or would you rather have the same 10-year span of a career, but you're like a journeyman who never really wins anything significant, but you fucking love the game? But it's only a 10-year career, you know, you can't carry on for 20 Isn't years. Isn't this well, so. Faker versus Froggen? <laughs> hey... Insert whatever names you will. Hmm. Mm. Uh, oh, God. that's That speaks a lot to the values you hold as a person, quite a lot, because, I mean, 10 years is a long time to be at a grindstone, which you don't particularly enjoy. Um, I mean, arguably, I, I went into esports because I wanted to do something which I enjoyed more, and I can explore that as a passion. Yep. So in terms of like my own history with that, on a personal level, I knew that would be kind of difficult. But the caveat of like you do win everything, and like you're viewed as the go. Oh, that's, oh, that's pretty nice. As much as it would probably break me in more ways <laughs> than I would consider, I'd want to be the best. I'd, I that kind of recognition that would stay with you for like forever. It would also, even if you ended your career, the amount of partnerships and stuff you could get from doing something else which you enjoyed after that point, like you're set up for life at that point. So, very true. I would, I would be the best, even if those ten years would be probably the most difficult in my life. If I ten really years didn't like it, is a long time. It's a long well. time. It's a long time. Kira, but I, would, I would still do it. What are you saying? Oh, this is easy because this is just League of Legends and Dota. I don't even play League anymore. I've not played League seriously since season. Mm, four? I haven't played it seriously since Arena came out. That was the only time season I've taken this four, shit seriously. Season, season five, like I only play it like on like on a very general sense, or like when I feel like I like I need to like learn something like in game or that. Apart from that, I spent spend all my time playing Dota. So like that's the game I love, but I I do league content, so I just choose ten years being the best in league. I, I do it so every day. Fair, fair enough, yeah, I mean, guess that kind of makes sense. I would say that the best piece of advice I was ever given 
was by my dad when he told me, and this is when I was like applying for unis and stuff like that, or even a bit before then when I had um, ridiculously inflated uh, ambitions that, oh, I'm going to apply for Cambridge and Oxford as my only two university options. And he said to me, he's like, you know, careful what you wish for. Like, you are going to spend, mo whoever you are, you're going to spend most of your life working. So make sure whatever you do, you enjoy and always enjoyment over money because what's the point in money if you're miserable was basically like his line but in this instance i do find that view slightly challenged because as you said nightmare obviously there's all the stuff if it's guaranteed success exactly like if, it's, if it was something more like you had a chance to be the best then i would probably say no but if it's like you're gonna be up there, one of the like the household names of that esport that you're in, particularly one that's as global as League or something like that, so if you choose one of the big ones, like that guaranteed success is like actually pretty. That breaks the question a bit for me. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. The you thing is, if it's though. like if it's like you have the talent to be the best, but you hate mm. the game, that'd be a bit different because you would find yep. yourself lacking motivation. You probably would put in the work to get reach the top. So yeah, yeah, it is really difficult. I would say, in this specific question, I would probably take the success but if it was like any longer like even if it goes to like 15 years i'm just not doing that because at that point it's too long a period yep. of my life where i'm like i'd rather be the guy who's like super fucking happy to just be there and playing the game because every day you boot up the pc and you're like excited to play versus like imagine up waking up every fucking cold january morning and you're like jesus christ it's time for solo queue and you really don't want to be there like that that is by the way i would just say that is a very real reality for certain players at points in their career like i know yes. plenty of players who actively hate the game despise the game and some of them uh carried on because what often happens as well is they'll reach a point and by the way this is very common where they love the competitive side of the game like specifically yeah. playing the matches on stage but they hate everything else they hate scrims they hate bod reviews they hate solo queue like especially mm. solo queue but yeah. um but they still have like the passion for the competitive side but that is usually what breaks people because they don't want to put in the time that they used to put in so I mean, very there, common there, there are a couple of names which come to mind of that to some lesser or greater degree obviously showmaker is one of the most vocal people about how He's very much struggled with enjoying the game, despite it being something that he's so passionate about before. Especially when he's getting challenger, getting like playing every single champion at least once, stuff like that, and then getting to the point where he's like, "Look, I don't enjoy the game anymore." Um, now, I, I'm that obviously won't probably expand towards like the VOD review and the team aspects. The guy's like a consummate professional. Um, and then hell, even in the COVID years, this would came to a real head. I think this exposed it about a lot of players that were kind of like. In that mid zone, where you don't hate it, but you're not necessarily the happiest, then COVID hits and like you're not in front of a crowd, it feels less competitive, you can't travel for events as easy, stuff like that. And someone like Caps had a weird, um, well, I had a weird string of form where um, I can't remember who was speaking about it on one of those shows. It might have been one of Thorin's points where he was talking about how how do you approach the psychology of not being afraid on stage, but actually not being able to perform as well because there isn't a crowd there. Most of the time in high competitive environments, you have the opposite. People have stage fright. They, they start to like choke on stage and stuff like that. Caps had the opposite for a little while where he just couldn't make it happen up until, what was it? Was it spring finals last year or something? Where it was finally in front of, um, like when he did the, the crazy playoffs run with um, when they ended up winning against Rogue in the finals, the yeah. first time. There's some weird psychology which comes, comes on with that for some uh, players, even at the top of the game. What is the actor without the stage? 
That's the problem. Is that you, Seal? Who's that in my top? Oh, no, it's just Kira. All right. Okay, moving on to... Uh, that entire Sean adages, guys. <laughs> the, uh, the World Championships, of course. And what better place to start than I'm talking... I'm going to look at Proverbs uh... in the background. I need to be armed. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, NRG versus Weibo. And all I'll say before palming this off to you, Kira, is you died for this. And by the way, speaking of Mr. Seal, he was very smug in my DMs talking up his Weibo pick. And all I'll just say is, first of all, they had an unbelievably easy run. And secondly, it ends here. It fucking ends here, okay? They're not making the final, so you can shove that prediction up your ass. But yeah, Kira, uh, well, by the way, if you hear really loud, intermittent bangs in the background, it is um, fireworks yeah. night, so yep. get over it. Um, oh, yeah. For people yeah. on listening on Spotify, all three of you or whatever, you'll probably be very confused if I didn't give that caveat. So there you go. Um, but yeah, what did you make of this uh, series, Kira? Did uh, NRG disappoint you? Did they live up to expectations? Did Weibo impress at all? Uh, hmm. I think NRG disappointed me not being able to snipe one one. But I think when you looked at the... I think it was really funny. When you watched Wearable Gaming, like they would like start these like dirty Baron setups. I call them dirty because they they done fucking nothing. There was no cleaning, no like getting rid of the wards, and they would sit on Baron. Then they would have to come off it, and NRG would like go onto the Baron and then take it off of Wearable. Now that happened like twice in the Bo3, and I think they got one of them or they got both. My memory serves me correctly, and they still lost the games. So it was like Wearable was actively like inting setups. And you still, and like giving you, you know what I mean? They were kicking the, and they were throwing, and they, you were ca catching, and you still couldn't win. Not a good sign. You also, two of the games, I think the first two games, Xiaohu was playing like a dog. Um, so, that's on Never Again Indicator. The only thing I would probably say that was like unfortunate, but it has been good, is like Light kept like the boat afloat permanently. Yes. They just couldn't, um, like, Light was just like a rock of consistency. He didn't make that many, like, blunders or errors at all. He was basically just, like, the model ADC that I, like, wish for in, like, every single team imaginable, where he, like, you invest gold into him. He, like, never reaches too far with it. He's, like, a consistent, like, point of, like, focus for you to be able to play around. He holds midsection well. He doesn't take big rests. He's aware of his summoner's economy. Uh, Light was but, by, but like go? consider where Light was in twenty um twenty worlds with the LNG one. Um, yeah, yeah. Was that twenty or was that twenty one? The one where he went with LNG. Yeah, yeah. Light back then was known as the AD and he choked that it. Was, He would choke it. He'd, yeah. He was on Lucian. He'd always dash forward like too easily and die. Like how yeah. far is he comes a player, right? Yeah, and even like in the LPL this year, he had like choking moments, like in the wearable LNG series. Yes. Like Light had some like shocking like moments in that series where if Light plays a little bit better, like LNG pro we don't even have the LNG story because they maybe lose to Weibo. Um and so I, and for me a little bit I always thought Light was just a perennial like choker. I I'm not one of these people that's like disgusted by like chokers because I the average of competitors most people are actually chokers. Or like, as in, they play worse due to like the environment. Not everyone's a big game player. Yeah, like most people aren't big game player and most people aren't uh, aren't clutch. Most people actually play down. You just don't, you don't tend to like notice as, as much. It's why you're so enamored and emphatic about the clutch players because there is something so attractive because it's such a rare quality. 
but light was a massive part of the stability. The other person I would like to like call out here, like for, for helping, was Crisp. I think Crisp was all like the football lane just in general in terms of execution for Weibo Gaming, which is a point of stability. I think NRG just the the, the sad thing here, Rich and Nymira is. I think G, there is a version of like G two that could have existed that may have beaten Weibo Gaming. Okay, yes. but the problem was is like the, that same G two was also also existed that could lose to NRG, and they are the same team, and that is the point. That is the problem with G two is that like that they were the, the they were always the same team all year, almost all year at any given time, um, and it was that fragility that like betrayed them. So. I'm not really that interested in saying that like, oh, if G2 was here, they would have done like so much better because the really bad version of G2 that played NRG could have shown up here and just got blasted out by Weibo Gaming. You know what I mean? Like, there's no thing to say mm. that that didn't happen and we're sitting looking at a 3-0. So the only thing I was really disappointed was that they couldn't find a, a single win on stage at all, even with like all the blue sides. Yeah, I think the mm. uh, the other thing I'll just add on to that as well, by the way, because obviously there was a lot of talk in the aftermath by, of course, your boy and everyone else in the community about this like releasing of scrim things. It's like the way it was framed was almost by the people who were sort of defending it was almost like G two had lost a really unlucky Bo one in like Allied like creature. They they lost a Bo three man. It's not like they yep. slipped on a leaf and oh everything went to shit like. You had... And they were lucky to win that game too, goddammit. Like, yeah. So lucky. Yeah, you had two there were two lives. Like you lose both lives. Like to me, it's not like a luck thing. I think that obviously NIG played really well. G2 obviously didn't play well, whatever. But this idea that like, but look at the scrims, it's like you lost a series, man. You lost a series. Like, mm. don't give me that. I don't want to hear about sparring when you got knocked out. Like, they could have also just... just beat they could have also just beat JMG. Like you know what I mean? Like the, the yeah, games yeah, are there, sure. they're yeah. there. They're there to be won. Like the whole idea yeah. of like you, we just have to accept the idea that you, any time you collide with any team of any quality, you're just to lose. It's yeah. such fucking lo loser talk. I can't be bothered with that. That's I either have to point. talk about. I have to talk about G two as being a good team. Then I talk about them being a good team. You lost to Gen G, BLG, and NRG. People who are really focusing on this just losing to NRG. It's like no. Other shit happened as well. Yeah, they they were, had three games, best of threes. Yeah. Those games are there to be won. Yeah, no, it's a great point because also it's like it, it always goes one way and never the other way. It's always like, oh, they lost, but it was Genji. So they're never allowed, we're never allowed to talk them up to the point where, you know, there's not an excuse. There's always the excuse, which, oh, well, Genji are just amazing. But when it's a team they're meant to beat, we're always, for some reason, allowed to give them the excuse of it was just a bad day because hashtag scrims or whatever, which yeah. is bullshit. Like, you can't have your cake and eat it in that sense. But yeah. What did uh, what were your takeaways from this series, Nightmare? Do you think there was a world where NRG could have mm. won this? Well, I did look for a proverb, and I what I did was I looked for the Rome Total War loading screen quotes because they've affected my life nice. as proverbs a lot. So for this one, it's even the bravest cannot fight beyond his strength. That, oh, that's, that's a good one. We, that's a banger. That's a good one. That's a good one. So that one's by Homer, one of the famous poets yeah. from ancient Greece, uh, the writer of the Odyssey and uh, great other things. Um, I think that NRG. Um, they fought with like a hell of a lot more confidence than I thought they would do this world. So I think that typically the teams which overperform at world, they kind of lose that inhibition and they just, they go for the fuck it mentality, especially if they don't have the same kind of stock, the same kind of pedigree as some of their other teams. I think they fully embraced trying to play around some carry tops for Dokla when some other teams were not as able to play Rumble, especially Western teams. They just had an absolute 
aversion or inability to play that champion. And they did have, particularly in um, the last kind of parts of Swiss as well, they had some good moments. They had some good red side drafts, which is something which I, uh, coming into this series, thought with this adaptation, this evolution of this, there's a chance that they could pull out some red side drafts to win a best of five in a lengthy kind of grueling series, kind of snag a red side win and then two blue side ones. Maybe they could take it to Weibo who are... You know, the, the the line that we have been using from the LPL for this team is consistently uh, inconsistent. They yeah. will play to the level of their team, uh, to, to their opponents. They will lose to a seven-loss streak IG, but then they'll beat JDG or a BLG or something like that. This team is incredibly hard to read how they're going to be on the day. Um, but as it so happens... Weibo have never really faltered in the team fights. Their team fights have been pretty good. Now, in the LPL, Ooh. the problem is is that there are so many better team fighting teams okay. that even when they are pretty good in the team fights, like they can get outvalued. I think that against NRG, there were some points in the early game where I was a little bit worried for them. I think particularly Weiwei has had some back and forth moments, and I think that the top side of the map has flipped itself into the frying pan and into the fire multiple times and i think that later into the tournament that could potentially come to a head but what we saw against nrg is that they just can't team fight versus weibo weibo were just a better team fighting team now the question is is that going to be enough versus other chinese teams or potentially t1 if that comes on later as well i'm not so sure about that but basically, as Kira said, I think the bot lane being such a rock of solidity and then also having these kind of milio lanes and uh, stuff like that to really prop them up as well have been have found a way to really give a point of pressure and stability towards the bot side, which they've desperately needed. Yeah. By the way, just a little note. See, when you talk about team fighting, I'm not even just trying to like nag on it. Do you include stuff like... Because to me, I have a real hard time saying Weibo Gaming is good at team fighting when Jiaohu, like, missed three Nikols. Like actually, like hit zero targets. Like, and I, yeah. I know that's one player, but like that's like, like such a massive part of like execution and individual player execution as a like a contributor to like good team fighting. And it's it's not to say I'm that not I think willing they're... to write off. I'm not willing to write off that statement based on those games, which weren't great. Because I also remember, you know, versus um, great series. To this was the the NIP series in in summer playoffs where Xiaohu on Azir was doing some incredible yeah, yeah, things yeah, and clutch things insane, up late. So, like, I, you know, I accept that point, and there may be a chance that Xiaohu has that. Uh, but I, I, I do think that Xiaohu's had some inconsistency in his team fighting, but the the level is still there. It's not like it's gone. It's not like the skill vampires have quite gotten to him, you know? Because Weibo Gaming, for me, were, like, a like a pretty good, like, team fighting team. Not, like, the ridiculous mm. levels of JDG and BLG. No, like, but, yeah. but they were, like, a, a, a good one. The, the thing for me is that I actually think at Worlds, Weibo Gaming's team fighting has been, like, like poor in terms of, like, not their like shape and location, but in terms of just like actual individual like flounders, Xiaohu, like the shy is like Cassante getting like isolated and like team five. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it. I've just went and checked it there. If you go look at like the stats, it's, it'll be on a record for the series. Light average nine hundred thirty-five DPM. Right? Okay, that was for a minute. Right? Which is an absolutely staggering number. That's like outrageous. Okay, that's a record. And, that has to be a record, no. And, that has and, to and be mate, a best of five. That's our. Oh. That's ridiculous. Is that across the series? Yeah, I think that's across all three games. That was his average, which is. I, I might be wrong because goal goal stats might be like I've pulled their own numbers. So by like, the way, I'm for people sure. who for people who don't know, usually anything above like six hundred is for, no, for an eighty no carry six hundred. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like that's and to me, when I look at this series, I don't. And again, when I talked about it when they played G two, I don't look at this series and go, Weibo had like good fighting. I basically just look. I was like, holy shit! Like light just was like untouchable, and he was a rock. 
and it was like light was like light team fight execution yeah and what light was doing was DPM. yeah, yeah. Average. That, I, I, that's why i was to make a, such a like big deal of it because to me this was a on an individual execution basis this was a not a great version of wearable but an amazing version of light Mm, yeah. yeah, but like the, when you are a Weibo supporter, you kind of have to expect that every other game they're going to be a different version of Weibo, which is why I'm like, yeah, <laughs> the Chimera. And yeah, it's it's just Light has been the most consistent part of this roster. I think Chris's been pretty good too. But like the whole top side of the map can have they can have performances which will rock an LNG. I mean, again, they were like one Nexus defense away from beating LNG and then stopping them from being going on their run as well. Like Weibo could have been that. Um, and I think like. It's also worth noting again, like you look at all of these players, the skill cap of each of these players is incredibly high. Even some like Weiwei, you know, you look towards his regionals performances, this guy was absolutely cracked in there too. Um, which is also why I think the, the big thing about Weibo is like them trying to step into this like super team moniker they had before, like in preseason. But then mm -hmm. that kind of got blasted out of the window when they got totaled by BLG in spring. They are slowly crawling their way back into, you know, if they have a good semis and a good finals, th this team is really quite scary if they just coin flip the on switch for like the next two series. Um, we didn't see that from every member against NRG. And I think they've got to be quite lucky that it was NRG that they came up against, not one of the other teams in quarters. But like, yeah. if you have Light playing like that, and then you have like the game three Shahu on the Jace, and then you have like some of the other yes. games that we've seen from the Shy and Weiwei, like there's still a lot to be afraid of from this team. Like that, that hasn't changed that about Weiwei. games, yeah. 100%. By the way, when you uh, Googled that Rome Total War proverb, I just remember, I remember the one that when I, cause you know, when the original yeah. Rome Total War, I was like a 12 year old kid or whatever. And I remember watching the load screen, like squinting at the right and the bottom. And I remember being blown away. Like my 12 year old brain, like, whoa, they said, it was like, uh, oh, war doesn't show who is right. Only who is left. I was like, yes. <laughs> wow. These fucking Romans knew what was up. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> Anyway, uh, speaking of uh, Centurions who, uh, well, let's just call them Nero era Centurions because it was Genji, wasn't it? And it was Choki at it again. Uh, oh, I will get to that. Genji versus BLG. Uh, so yeah, Kira, what was what was this? Was this Choki strikes? Was this my boy Peanut no. not quite playing to his goat level? What happened? What, so what here's happened? the interesting. Chove, in a sense, did, like, choke. Because he has that, like, moment. He TPs to the turret. TPs to, like, the wrong turret. And he, like, blows the game, like, away, okay? But if you look at that individual moment, which is a blunder, right? Was, like, Chove choking, as in, in terms of, like, that singular part of miss execution. Because if I take all five games, this is the conditions that Chove was under. He was the only lane that was winning, playing 2v1, and every side lane was down every single game, losing all the time in a, like, not even a comically like bad way, like a dra like a losing to a degree is just like how the fuck are they to win? And they were two games down in Chovy, and those are Azir games. They are such throwaway games because if you don't have a stable map of Azir and you can get to like two items and there's like a manageable gold lead, the the pick is effectively not useless, but it, it cannot go out and grab you the game. It can't go and bring the game to itself. It is, a, it is basically a mid-ADC. It's a very, like, static, like, like a point-on-the-map, like, champion. When Chove went on to those, like, Akali games and the Young game... Now, the Young game wasn't actually that great. In terms it actually of just, like, wasn't that great. It actually it, really annoyed me when people were saying, like, oh, it's all Trevor. Like, did you see Doran just diff the entire team fight? It was actually Doran that won that game for them. Yeah, yeah, would you call it like egg? Uh, uh, but when you so look at game 
uh, that game, then the Akali game, and then the next Akali game. And in, the, in terms for the first 15 minutes, and then the young game wasn't great, and then the, later afterwards, it's only the, like, Chovy that has any, like, seminal of, like, competence. It's like, I don't know why it's okay for, like, the rest of the players in every sense of the way to just, like, be, like, turbo-decked off the face of the planet and how, what the maps actually to look like. Like, for example, Chovy played, like, the Akali matchups into Oriana. Now, he was gaining a CS lead, but he was being pushed in, and the enemy team was jungle invading Peanut. Now, Chovy cannot actually go and help Peanut. So, Peanut is being invaded and being put down on CS. There is nothing Peanut can do in that situation. That is where I do not begrudge Peanut. Where I do begrudge Peanut is him then going topside and allowing a turret dive to happen that he, like, literally can see happening in the real time. And that's where, like, my frustrations of, like, Peanut is. Because when I watch Peanut attempt to, like, execute just, like, basic, like, skirmishes and team fights, it's, I'm, almost always I'm like, he could have played that so much better. Or, like, he could have done something in that situation so much better. And that's why I'm, like, down on, like, Peanut. So, like, I am, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sympathetic to, like, how hard things kind of were for Peanut. But not in this terms of, like, I feel like he could have came up with better solutions. Uh, if you want to talk, say that like Chovy like choked game uh, choked game five, I don't think a player that basically wins five out of five like laning states wins like two games like or like helps carry two games like stays like relatively like stable throughout the games, but then has like one big blunder moment in like game five. I don't always think that's like a choke out. Uh, and, like, and as the Latin happen. proverb says, to blunder twice is not allowed in war. <laughs> <laughs> I had another one on my screen, weirdly. <laughs> no, I, 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 that's what I'm saying. It was only like one big blunder, but at the end of the day, there's so many other questions to ask. And this is why I had Cho and this, I explained to you though, right? Okay. This is why I had Chovey number one. Because no player's level correlates to his team's victory, to the, his team being able to beat other good teams. Like SKT has just won against like LNG, right? Chovey like made an absolute mockery of like SKT every time he plays them. And it's basically, a lot of it is just because of how he's able to, like, execute. See, I, so, I'll, 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 I would dispute that, but we'll, we'll come to that, uh, we'll come well, to no, that that's... later. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Nymera, I mean, I would probably say in game five that Doran was as guilty as anyone for fumbling that game. I mean, I know things ha ended up happening after that Drake fight, but holding Flash, the stopwatch usage, like... That was just um, they had the game. weren't they winning the game at that point? It was it was even. It was even. And then Doran, um, for some reason, doesn't flash out of the Cataclysm. Doesn't stopwatch. Dies. Was Mininar. Didn't have Meganar even close at that point. I don't know what that necessarily was. Yeah, Doran fumbled that one. But in the same way, I think in games um, three and four, I think the uh, the Aatrox and then the Rumble were, were really pivotal. The person I actually feel baddest for in this series though is Delight. Delight had some monster rel games. Delight had some yeah, great games. I think that um, particularly when it came to game four, which is when uh, there was a big lead for BLG after a Baron play, um, but then they got caught in mid lane about three times in a row. Delight was the architect of that. Now, um, we've talked a lot about Genji. I want to flip this over to BLG on the other side because there were some warning signs for me about Elkanon in this position too, where they picked the Ashtam Kench. There were a couple of huge mistakes in a row by On in game four, where when they are pushing in with the Baron buff and the play which basically loses them the game, um, On is caught in the engage at the same time as Ash, gets the Devour laid onto them, which means that Ash is on like 10% HP before getting to do anything. 
they get cleaned up in mid lane. The second time, he's too far away, so he can't even get in position to get the Devour, and then the, the Vial comes in to stop him even getting closer. Um, and then the third time things happen in mid, they've lost like 6k because they've lost two huge plays, which then destabilize the map from them. So there are a couple of warning signs to me for BLG because it felt like very winnable games that they potentially would have won in the LPL were thrown away by a little bit of lackadaisical um, positioning. And I do think that Gen.G, once they kind of got control of the map and they had their initiating picks, I think that actually Peanut had a really good game for, um, yeah, game four on the Vi, of being able to get on top of the right targets at the right time. You could see that BLG typically very good at turning and isolating one target on the target on the engage when someone dives into them. They're very good at so, like isolating out a top lane that's out of position or something like that. They really failed to do that against Gen.G in their losses. So... I'm quite worried about that if that's going to be a factor later on because that's something which I kind of took for granted for them before where they get engaged onto you, but they'd have a way to feel, peel back on the engage. Um, yeah, but Genji on the other side, the reason that they could force those engages is actually Delight had a pretty good series even despite the loss. Yep. Yeah, I'd go but along then, with that. At the end of the day, like one of the things that's going on that's really frustrating with Genji, first of all, is like their drafting. Like oh, playing yeah. both of those Azir games was like a complete like waste of like time. Second of all, as like, they, when Paves and Delight are going to so consistently not play for like winning lanes, okay? So or they disrespect the Renata, which we have seen over and over, and expect that to go well. And they say, oh, we didn't prepare for the Renata. You just saw that it was, yeah, weird. so yeah, much was in the past. Like, that is moronic. that is unforgivable. And what, what was the what was the really shit draft? Was it game game one? Uh, no, game two. Game two. Which game two was garbage. The, so, so BLG somehow get their hands on Rumble, Jarvan, yeah. Oriana, Zaya, and then this Renata pick, which has been like trashing bot lanes as well. That is like first pick priority for every single role. Yeah, what garbage. the hell happened there? I've yeah. never seen a top-level team draft that poorly in an important match. That is unforgivable. Like, and what happened there? Yeah, Genji banned three ADCs and Elk's still on Zaya. They banned uh, Callista, Jinx, and Ash. Like, it's the, it's the... Yeah, I know. It's I have never... It was like match-fixing levels of like bad yeah. drafting. Yeah. But, um... then this is like the, the frustrating thing <clears throat> for me is because I'm, I'm not even trying to like make like that many excuses for him. But like... I think Ben right now is just the best top player at like the tournament and argue in a position for being like the best top player or best player in the world at this like specific moment in time at the tournament. And how consistently he is able to like play out like winning like situations is like nuts. He's it's very very great. Like he brought out the rumble, looked like pretty good like straight away. And I just what I just don't understand is it's like you have a top lane who who cannot play to win the lane. You then have a bot lane that does not play ever to win the lane and then Chovey is like to play like a Kali where he cannot get a pushing lane but he can maybe win the lane on a, on a statistical level or the Yon where he like he wins the lane on a statistical level but he gets like pushed in constantly and he's low health right that that June June is just going to have a field day like he is just going to steal every camp under the sun from Peanut right now again and that's where my sympathies come from I, I don't know like Peanut is just going to lose like huge amounts of like static farm, like amounts of the jungle farm but then when i look at like peanut and the decisions that he made in spite of those like things happening they, they weren't very good 
But we also seen that I'd like to highlight like the good we've seen from Genji. You talked about it there, Nymira, game four, where they would like use like uh they done like the, the three phase engage. They would use yeah. a, a part of engage to force the Tamken to each. Then once the Tamken spat out the ash, they would then use a, th a second bit of engage to then force the ash into an isolated position. Or they like, would engage on two targets at once, yeah, so they yeah, can't or two, use it both places. Both places, and then the third one would be di di Chove directly assassinating the ash, right? And then in the exact same game, okay? Okay, so they've just won with that draft. We go into game four, and we end up having a NAR to win lane. A game five. Yeah. Game five, sorry, game five. We have, have a NAR and Fordoran can attempt to use it to win lane. But we don't basically use it at all to like create those exact same like types of scenarios that like we know like would result in like winning. You know what I mean? Like they it's like they forgot those like two principles between game four and game five. Yeah. So would you guys like I mean going into this? I think I I had Genji winning. Uh, I think well, you did as. I had, I had Genji winning. I had yeah, Genji, Genji winning as well. Yep. So what? What ultimately, uh, Nymera? Would you say was the the? Let's not talk about individual errors or whatever. But what do you feel like mm. was the main difference in this series? Like why um, did why couldn't Genji beat this team? So there. Are, so boiling it to, boiling it down to a single thing in such a close series, I don't. I don't think it's very easy to do. So if I were to like expand it out slightly, I'd say. Um, Obviously, the draft misreads were really, really poor. Um, the stuff like the Renata Pryo and stuff like that were very, very difficult to overcome. I think that's one thing. I think that Peanut and Delight had an inconsistent day. They had some games when Peanut was on the Vi where it felt actually pretty good, but then they had some games like with the um, like the early ganks with uh, the Maokai and the Nautilus where the Maokai had knocked someone out of the Nautilus hook and stuff like that. So there were some... Normally, something that we take for granted is that Peanut and Delight very much on the same page. That wasn't all there. And then we also had, I'm not going to say it's a huge underperformance by Chovy, but it's not where Chovy can grab the game by the scruff of the neck and pull it up there as well. So I think there are some, there is a um, a little bit of an underperformance on, I know we said we weren't going to do that completely, but like I think Chovy had a slight underperformance. There was a synergy underperformance from Peanut and Delight. And then on top of that, there was a draft performance. And it still went to game five despite mm. that. I think that shows you how good Genji... I don't want to undersell Genji. They actually are a good team. They could have taken this on a better day. But with those three things, just taking the edge off the team, went to five games and they lost. Yeah, yep. I agree with Nightmare, actually. And Kira, just finally from you, do you think if this series was played like 10 times, do you think Genji would take more or do you think BLG would take more series? I think if they played this series, like after having played this one... If you played this one series, okay, and then you let Genji walk away from it and then look at it, like why they lost, Genji would w start winning the series more consistently and yes. more regularly. They would be able to take away more from it. But that's not how League of Legends. I've got to say, like, Genji's, like, prep going into, like, lots of series, like, sucks balls. So, like, all their coaching staff and all their, like, players, like, need that's something they need to, like, work on because it sucks. Like, it's shit all the time. Like almost every single time, it, I, I it's also the, the the thing, the frustration of like them not realizing like what who they are as like a team, and like what and they don't seem to be able to evaluate like game to game why they're like losing. Like I, I can't understand how you do back to back as your games. Like that that to me that part when when they done that and like choosing red side and like when you lost was that it was just so crazy so 
yeah, I think if you just let them walk away from the series and play it more often, I think Genji would start winning it more and more. But that's not Tabby can download teams as well, by the way. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Tabby's supposed to be a, an amazing like evaluator of like like styles and stuff. Like Tabby can cook, so it's not it's not that I bad. Say, I, I just was, think they're I was quite surprised that BLG walked away from a win where it was a center time catch ball lane for BLG. That is typically not how BLG win big games elk needs most of the time needs to be on a champion that has like their very instant fight winning potential where you kind of kind of like flash into the right position as a felios or zyra or something like that um in a way that aiming actually couldn't do in the same regard actually um but uh i think that the center can't time kench in game five i was surprised that came away with a win but they they proved me wrong there too so i think blg uh there's an extra factor there too where they actually are becoming quite big game players despite the jdg stuff um, they're actually they they perform really well in like the clutch moments. Yeah, right. Let's uh, move on to uh, JDG versus KT. Um, <laughs> fuck me, JDG are pretty good at League of Legends. Uh, oh my goodness, uh, Kira, uh, what what was your main takeaway from this series? I, I I'm actually re- like basically I, I don't think JDG were actually that good this series. Like, I, I actually think there's a pretty bad version of GDG. Like, if you know GDG, you watched all their games, like, they were being super cocky. They were pissing about. They were doing yeah, but some doesn't really that, risky doesn't stuff. Doesn't that kind of give credence to how good they were? I don't think anyone argues, like, the cleanest series, but, like, just from a how much leash they were mm. playing with, does that not worry you more going forward? No, because, like, better teams don't give, like, the doors, the doors back in that, like, KT do. So, like... That's like one of the big issues. Um, they're gonna play like against like T one, and T one look like they've worked on like a bunch of stuff, and we'll come to that. Uh, G- JDG would need to for like the game that was really close, like the Prodigal game four, right? Where Ruler and Knight have that sick play where they get into like the Baron. You know what I mean? Like KT don't have to do that. There's like no reason to like do that. Like that's just that was just psychotic. There's that you you have basically like the best hand and you just fold it <laughs> like you've got four aces and you fold it like what are you doing like there was genuinely no way you could lose that but you found it by just i don't know like not not being able to assess like threats like properly um it was good to see like like it was good to see like the diversity of like G- what jdg is going to be able to bring at this tournament like now people are going to have to be aware that like the sever wukong comp uh, well, it's Wukong Rakan as well. That is a disgusting yeah, Ru- combo. Yeah, Wukong Rakan, and also like we have just got to accept the fact you cannot give Knight Nico like this. I think any if you play a series and you have missing on four games of Rakan, right? And Knight has played Nico in any of the games, you have most likely failed fundamentally, like yeah. in terms of your prep. Uh, I, I cannot like hang like say it enough. And you the and the best best performing player on like JDG has like probably switched around. Where like three six nine was probably the best player in Swiss, and three six nine had like the most like mm. mid okayish day, and the most consistent players by far on the team were like Ruler was just good to very good all the time, and then like Kanavi had like individual games that were just like crazy, and then other another like games that were just oh, like okay. So I. I I, I just don't really know what to say. I don't think it was that great, game, great a game of JDG, but they are just like mm. so fantastic that they just kind of won anyway. But they're, they're going to need to like strap themselves in and play so, a lot better. Funnily enough, I think there's a parallel between the two teams in this series where 
I don't think either team was great at enabling the best player on their team. In fact, Kira, we were talking about this as the games mm -hmm. was happening, and I was saying like, because <laughs> obviously we did our top ten playlist a little bit before. I was like, Phew, I'm really glad that I put Ruler as number one because Ruler had a fucking good individual series, but his team was terrible at enabling him. Typically, the games which <clears throat> the games which JDG looked the best on were the ones where uh, Ruler had an impact. Now you look at game four; they should have lost that one. Ruler was not basically had no impact on the game up until that Baron fight, which they turned around and like that miraculous play in the two v x which Katie kind of threw to them anyway. But on the whole, it was Ruler doing his own stunts. He didn't have a stunt double. He didn't have someone really setting up for him in that game. I think even in something like the Sivir game, it was largely his positioning and his kiting that allowed him to get back into position to do some really big damage. Um, and you look on the other side for KT, the parallel to this is Keen was doing some pretty good individual work um, in the lane. I think particularly on his jacks and stuff like that. But KT have no idea how to use an empowered, like a, a, an empowered jacks that's ahead. Um, in fact, I think we were saying this again, actually, at the same time, Kira. We were talking about, actually, you know, Ala probably would have smoked this series if he had Jax in those games. You know, even though EDG, not a good macro team. that they, they, they only had one play. That was push mid and then just hope something happens. When they had something like the Jax, Ala guts ahead. He can do miraculous things in those team fights. I don't think Keen had the setup from his team to really leverage his own individual strength. I think that he, on an individual level, had some pretty good moments. I think that was helped by the fact that 369 was basically pushed back the entirety of the time he had to give up some resources i think the 369 he wasn't a detriment to his team i think no. that we saw we saw the 369 thing which was like he survives lane he gets a, a couple nine of two sexes and, and a three yeah and it's, yeah yeah like like he did his job and he did the exact same thing well like when it comes to the team fights he will protect ruler to allow ruler to do ruler things that's like his job he does it incredibly well um but it does leave me wondering what could have happened if kt were better prepared and better able to enable keen when he had leads yeah. Can I just highlight something? And this is crazy. KT done it as well. So KT won with a really nice combo. They had a static Aphelios enchanter lane, okay, with a single target mm. engage jungler, okay, and Sejuani. They never played this composition ever again in the series. They won game one with it, and then they never played that specific composition yeah. ever again at all for the rest of the series. And that's the only composition that beat the Rakan, by the way, may I add. Was it what, and like, what were the bans in game two? So in like they... game two, oh, for, for a GDG, GDG banned like Sejuani, but not Aphelios. And uh, aiming then played Aphelios, oh, well, but cosplay. Sorry, cosplay. Technically, they did it in game four, but that was the weird game. They should have won game four as well, actually, with a similar con. They had the Vi yeah. and they had the Lulu. So, yeah, so they had, yeah. they had, but instead of, um, uh, they had a second Zyre instead part. of, um, yeah. First, yeah. So the, KT actually had the download. They actually had, like, the game winning draft versus JDG, which is the single target with an ADC with an enchanter, right? And the two games they played it in, they almost, like, won both of them. Game four is a bit more dicey because like Zaya is technically not as good in this role as Aphelios, but you do what you can do in the draft, right? And both games, one of them was a win and one of them was really close, but they didn't play it all the other games. They they moved away from it for like reasons I don't know. I, they just they just did. Um, I don't begrudge them. It's just really yeah. funny that like teams do this because this is like a really famous thing that home does. That like if he wins like game one. He would just run the same thing back and, and uh, like different champions again, and he would just keep running it into you until you lose. Or, like, he'll, like, start opening packs just to see if he can, like, beat you on them and, like, ego draft you. But other, like, coaching staff don't seem to be... And, again, KT seems to have the same problem as Gen G. They can't evaluate why they're winning or what, in my opinion, what's winning them games. And they can't seem to evaluate what's, like, critically losing them games.
Yeah, no, I'd go along with that. Um, right, let's move on to... Oh, one last thing. BDD yep. actually had a great series. Oh, yeah. Uh, B- 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 yeah. I, I, I would actually feel bad if we don't mention BDD. Yes, 100%. Like, if we're going to say how, like, Chovy couldn't really grab the game by the scruff of the neck and he had, like, an okay series, but it wasn't whatever, BDD stepped the fuck up. Like, but he that, made the critical game, game for mistake. Insane. But yeah, he made, I, I he get made, that. But... And so the BDD choke... I don't think BDD choked because, like, he 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 had like the excellent game. Uh, the game shit, which game was it? Yeah, game one on on the Akali was like he was surviving one v three drives. I just wanted to mention that last thing. I actually no, BDD. I'm just, I'm just laughing that like yeah, mirroring narrative, you know. Choked BD uh, for life. Right, let's talk about what I think is very fair to say was the most surprising series uh, yes. and disappointing series uh, by the same token, which was of course. LNG uh, T1. A lot of people had LNG making the final, at least myself included. Um, and T1 just continues to be the world's weirdest team. I mean, I guess at this point, at least where we are sat in worlds right now, we just have to say they are either a good team playing very well or a suddenly a very good team playing to par, like one of the two, I suppose, at this point in time. But yeah, this was uh an interesting one because again we talked about this before this series obviously and we said that and i think we agreed on the key thing that has to happen in this series is that faker has to go like even or lose gracefully but i think everyone was you know strongly of the opinion that you know scout would have the better of him and that then things would sort of move from there scout was pretty piss poor this series it has to be said uh, worst out of the series box. he's had all year he was not great at all and Neither of course i thought fake was fine i thought he like i think obviously people are going overboard because you know it's the always the most obvious narrative i'm gonna fucking join mm. that boat for the engagement farm you know it's, it's got gotta get your faker hashtag fakers in there but um, I thought fake yeah, was... we don't we don't have to abide by social metrics here, right? Exactly. Now. This is like exactly. a social free zone. <laughs> no, this is the thing though, and I, I always say this is like I will be as shameless as I want on social media because when you have a sort of long form platform to you know express your views, then either watch them or don't. Uh, so mm-hmm. it is what it is. But no, I actually thought Faker was. I, I'd give him a six out. Of, if, if five is the average, I'd give him a six out of ten for that series. Yeah, it I was. Thought. That's what, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously Zeus. Had a banger, didn't he? Um, clawing his way back into justification for being on Kira's top 10 list, uh, which I was feeling pretty good about uh, not being on mine until this series. Um, so, yeah, let, let's uh, let's start there, uh, Nightmare. Like, what, did, what did you make of this series? Why was LNG so, so cold? Uh, I Ooh. think that they... So there are a couple of factors which go into this. You need to have mid-jungle firing on all cylinders, Obviously, they weren't. Game one, you could see how nervous and off the boil both Scout and Tarzan were. There was this really weird play where Scout oh. jumps in on mid lane. I don't know whether he didn't know that owner was there, but he jumps in and he sees Faker. He sees owner around the corner and goes, oh, bugger me. He ults Faker away. And then Tarzan, for some reason, goes, now it is my time to fight. As soon as the, the disengages come in, he ends up alone. After Scout's already flashed uh, before this point too, Faker gets a free kill. And like... For what is supposed to be the best mid-jungle in the world, this was a terrible mistake, and it didn't get much better throughout the series beyond this, too. I think Tarzan had one of his worst series of the year. I think Scout definitely had his worst series of the year. And particularly if you look at the Game 1 draft as well, 
if that mid jungle falls behind, the rest of the map can't do anything because suddenly Gwen is no longer in an isolated state. And even in the isolated state, it started losing in the 1v1. So I think Zeus had a great uh, individual performance on that level. I think Gala is the person you have to feel worst for because I think that there was literally nothing that this guy could do in the drafts which he was given. And that was the big factor of the draft here as well for me. I think that T1 um, made this series actually quite bot-centric in the way that the resources were allocated. Top lane was maybe had like one or two ganks early game. Then the rest of it was about diving bot, getting pressure bot lanes, stuff like the Senna Nila, um, the Varus and the Ash, the Renata lanes. Like this was all chokehold, crush and destroy from t1 goomer and carrier which is typically where what they were playing when t1 were the best team in the world around when we had the 80 carry supports and we had like the double marksman in the bot lane um lng was slow to adapt towards that meta they couldn't fight back in the 2v2 in mid lane and then suddenly your star players like all are completely out of tools and the people that the people that had to step up were the players that hadn't had to step up the rest of the year hung is a follower not a leader you could see what happened when he had to make the big plays actually he wasn't in the best position to do that and it meant that the rest of the team just were completely bereft of anything to do with what t1 threw at them i think t1 had a magnificent bot lane read on the meta and i think that um lng just fell apart once their regular playmakers fell behind yeah well i mean uh, what, what do you think here as as nymera oh. said and as a lot of people have said tarzan shit the bed for lack of a better phrase was was that the oh, that's main pretty thing appropriate going on here? <laughs> no yeah okay so like tarzan like i can go over like the obvious stuff because you can see it with your eyes like tarzan played terribly like worked out all year completely choked Oh, there's that no. word again, people. Get your bing choke bing. You bing. can have a bingo for just full of different chokisms on there at this yeah. point. There's yeah. different types of choking, you know. Yeah. There's choke it and Tar Tarzan did he had a little like choke out, you know. Um Scout didn't play well, didn't execute very well, but there's did something that was like I oh, this so. one hugely was. This one I, like yeah. I don't think so. I don't I, I can't tell. I didn't look like it. Game one was bad it was so bad by the way see the play like you nerves. were talking about they actually know owners there because they stun tarzan over the wall and they make that play anyway oh yeah yeah i, I actually had to check that that's yeah really that's what's then. that's what's the worst part about it but anyway like that's how bad things got dude i chose like uh t1 on my pickums and bet them i thought they would win and like i'm like like the wee score sheet that we keep and i had them as like three one because i thought about it once we spoke to seal more and more and more and the problem was, as most teams historically, where the way you play League of Legends, if you want to enable top-sized carries, is you create like a a, a bottling advantage, so then you can ha then justify having numbers advantages on top sides of the map, and people colloquially call it playing from bot to top, right? Mm. A ruler like was very good at uh, on the Samsung Galaxy team with QV on it was really good at enabling this with Core JJ. Oh, yeah, that's a, a good call out. I missed right, that. Right. Okay. So. T1 don't do that. What T1's bot lane does is they make it so unbearable to lane against them for 15 minutes that they will drag every resource that you yes. have on the map to them because they know they will create a, a CS or a gold situation that is so untenable, that is so unsurvivable, and your ADC, the ADC will be so badly down that they functionally will not be able to play the game. And in doing so, they allow Zeus to sit in an isolated matchup. And Zeus in isolated matchups when he is not choking is one of the best players in the world. There's like a handful of like people that can beat him. And like, you know, it's like Ben, Face X9. Well, Doran, apparently. <laughs> yeah, D Dor Doran somehow, but I think that's just inside Zeus's head a little bit sometimes. But you know what I mean? It's not a big list. And he's 
percentage favoured or like very close with a lot of them. Like he's the only person to have actually gotten what I would describe as an actual mm. winning lane situation independent of like interactions oh, from like jungler way, against that Onigo Namira. That is the only reason they can play Jace top lane, by the way. And no one else plays a top lane. Because you have to have an isolated 1v1 yes. with, for Jace to work it out. And then also be one of the best Jace players in the world. No one else plays as top lane because no one else can isolate. It's a very weird fallacy. It feels a little bit like controver uh, uh, yeah, contradictory. Yeah. Where you think, oh, but to play towards top lane, you have to put your resources top lane. No, you make sure they're elsewhere so no one yes. can go and mess up with the 1v1. That is yep. the only reason they can play this Jace top. And it's working so well from them the couple of times we've seen it. Yeah, and so this uh, this is like a an evolution that now that like T1 have began to realize. Second second thing I'd like to point out, okay, is Hang has nowhere to go and draft because you you cannot find picks against Korea that will create like uh, that will like get you like the win lane winning situation. Korea will always be able to play something. Hang is just not that guy, and even when he has on something that you think might be able to win. Like the Blitzcrank, you just you see his execution is just terrible. Last point is, I think T1's team fighting is still pretty bad. Um, like in terms of the elite teams, that's what we're talking about here. Um, you know the way they control flanks isn't the best. because uh, Korea isn't always on engage. Their like flankers are more dedicated to Faker and Zeus. Uh, Faker's like team fighting, which used to be one of the last areas that he was like elite. I think that like, the Silas game wasn't all that great. Um, there's still like aspects of that are good. I think Owners had a resurgence. This is the best I've um, seen. Owner be. Game three had some good team fights. They were yeah. pretty good actually. So was that the, was good. that the Silas game? Or? That was the Zier game. Yeah, it wasn't binary as binary as he was like bad. It's just when I talk think about them versus like BLG and GDG, yeah. it's just not as like clean. One thing I would say about them, and it's a massive improvement, I've not really seen anyone speak about it, is their objective setups. T1's objective setups used to consist of go to the objective and start hitting it and then allow everyone to come and fight. Everyone and their mum comes and fight us. Watch the Baron setup, I think it's in game three, where Zeus is playing Aatrox bot lane. I'll make sure it's game three. One second, let me check on the stat thing. So, no, it's not game three, it's game two, okay? Uh, yeah, it's because Zika's on Gwem. In game two, uh, T1 control the Baron River, and then they like literally just sit there and deny with their poke champs uh, access to the river against um lng for ages they like can't get access to it and even when t1 resets lng are so bad that they don't even go and get the prio themselves and t1 just get it right back again and yeah. they just go instantly back into holding the prio and they are just constantly bleeding the map because aatrox is in bot jungle taking krugs he's then taking raptors and mm. it's just this loop to loop to loop to loop and every uh, three minutes it's 500 gold Another 500 gold, another dropped wave, another 500 gold, a tower, and it's just a death by a thousand cuts. And the old T1 didn't used to do this. And now that they are, it's just like, wow, like that is, mm. like, if you were to do that against GDG, like, I don't know what GDG would be doing in those situations. Because every time I see GDG in those situations, they're the situations GDG loses. So it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I actually think that going into the matchup for JDG T1, there are some huge red flags for JDG, which now they need to be very worried about. When JDG typically lost, even against lower tier teams in the LPL, it was 
bot lane getting blasted so hard that Ruler never has the resources to fight the way that he wants to, even if his team peels for him. We saw that a couple times, even when like anyone's legend, that's the, one of the games which I keep referring back to, they just gank bot three times in a couple of minutes and then suddenly Ruler's out of the game. They keep him down and then they choke hold the rest of the map so JDG don't have that ability to and kind of in the counter sense of what T1 did, do the loop to loop and get their resources back so they can survive to a point where they can fight. LNG, when they were beating JGG, similar way, they just chokeholded the map in some way so you could actually just slowly bled out in terms of those resources. Um, if T1 managed to use this kind of bot, si bot lane style with kind of like the double pick marksman as well and stuff mm -hmm. like the Varus and the Ash, like yep. you have to have your dancing shoes on the entire game. I think that, which game was it? It was the Ash Varus. It was game two. So this was yeah. the Ash Varus. Um, if you look at some, there was one of the big dragon fights where LNG managed to fight their way back into river um, after like a huge dodging battle of battle of war, really battle of attrition. They were really good at dodging a lot of the skill shots. They dodged uh, Ash Arrows, Varasols. They dodged most of the big CC coming through over like a period of like two minutes. And then they make one mistake chasing onto Zers a little bit too hard and they get completely blasted out. I think that's the special thing about how T1 are playing um, this kind of style. And this is, again, shades of how they played with the double marksman when it was meta, um, when they were, you know, arguably the best team in the world. Um, you you only get to make, like, one mistake before the game just kind of blows out in their favor. And JDG, they... I I'm quite worried for them, actually, in semifinals. If, if, they are, if they can have such a flawless performance, if their bot lane is so far behind, it puts a lot of pressure onto kanavi and knight when they come up against t1 to somehow bail out bot lane before this pressure lane with stuff like the renata meta coming through as well um gets off the ground i think jdg need to start really thinking about their draft in terms of how many lane dominant picks do we have because i think of the bot lanes that could contest t1 in a true 2v2 i think they're the ones that have it what do they have in the tank to really make sure that t1 can't get that choke hold which ends the game through the bot side of the map yeah no, I think that's uh, I think that's fair. By the way, to your, the point you made right at the beginning of the show, uh, Kira, when you said Chovy has like probably the biggest impact or uh, correlation to wins and losses versus other teams, I would and again I know it's sort of a almost a community narrative at the, this point, but I would throw Faker's name in there. I know we've spoken before about how his teammates are obviously good players and they, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's that you have to, it, the team was built up around Faker. So if you remove that pillar, they all get fucked kind of thing. But I do still think that this guy has like, the fact that I accept that that is true, but I also find it mind blowing that we've just seen T1 dismantle LNG 3-0 at Worlds. And I do think that Faker, especially because he put in a performance where like individually he was, better than his opposite number i know that scout had an off day but i think we do have to also put faker in that conversation when we talk about like holistic overall impact on team mm. because especially that series i mean if you get the if you get it over on scout who for some people was the best player in the world or the best mid laner in the world and if you go I back mean, towards this tournament mental. if you go before this tournament i mean you still have to say that you know yeah i people were memeing i was like oh you were saying lng would make the finals i'm like and if i went back to pre-tournament i would say exactly yeah. the same thing that's what makes this victory special yeah, right? it's insane it's crazy so i mean just I, to I, highlight uh, like a little point like uh, like about that it's, here's the thing T1 can play, could play through mid lane if they wanted. They could play through mid lane and do what Scout Tarzan do, right? They do not do that. The way that the, the people who execute like proactive winning play on T1 in terms of like early game and like majority of it is the bot lane and arguably top. There is almost no onus on 
ever on like Faker to ever create like lane pressure and majority of like T1 like series. Like even he was playing the Silas and he got solo killed under the turret like, uh, by like yeah. Scout, right? Okay. And he, wasn't like, that the early dive? Yeah, the early dive, yeah. yeah. And the map state, independent of that happening to Faker, was still net positive for T1. Like, yep. And so I know what you're talking about, because like in terms of like shot calling and the mentality that he brings to the team, Faker seems to be irreplaceable, right? But it's only because in the sense of like, say I go get, I don't know, Noah. And I think Noah on T1, okay? T1 wouldn't be able to play the way they are right now with the Guma, because they now no longer have Guma, and they'd have to find like yes. a completely different way to win. I think if there, if, because they replace Faker, people have this like idea about it, and I do think, from what I've been told, through like other folk, the faker is borderline irreplaceable in terms of like a shot calling perspective. But for example, I don't even think like Korea is like replaceable on like T1. Like oh, I, I think Carrier is that. So in terms of the difference makers, if you look at when T1 were beating elite teams, it's basically when Carrier has been the best support in the world yeah. as well, and he has that ability to. If he gets to play his whack ass AD carry supports again, like T1 genuinely could just blow out this world because I don't know another because missing is not going to be playing them to that kind of level. Well, um, missing you know, can contest though. That's the only difference. He, he missing can, plays the Ash. But my worry is JDG aren't picking lane dominant two v twos. They're picking stuff which skirmishes yeah. really well in mid game. Yeah. And what happens if we see uh, which game was it? It was the again. It was the Ash game. Which one was it? it was, yeah, it was game two where you had Galar and Hung like barely surviving under turret, backed off because Carrier walks around the back of the turret, threatening volleys as well. And like, he knows how to leverage these lane dominant supports better than anyone else in the world right now. The reason why T1 fell off for like one of their various like MSI kind of sad defeats was because like their, their style of play had to be nerfed out of existence because Carrier and T1 were too good at playing it. Like if this has suddenly come back in a blink of an eye for Worlds and they get to play towards Carrier's like wacky champion pool again, like, T1's back, baby. Like, they could genuinely win this world, and that's terrifying. Also, and like, Missing you'll... can contest the Ash, but I don't think he can, like, contest those picks. I mean, if he just plays, like, Kira plays, like, fucking Varus or something, like, I don't think Missing has an answer for that, you know? It's just really just the no, Ash. It, it the Renata right. might be the X Factor. That's the one thing I can think of, but that's going to be heavily contested, too. I reckon Renata's going to be permabound in their semis. Yeah. Um, but right, before we uh, quickly talk about the semis, I do want to ask you this, gentlemen, which is... I'm going to give you both one chance to either move someone on your list that we made before, <laughs> oh, up right, or down, okay. or completely replace them with someone who was not previously on your list. Oh, God. I can't, I can't do that because Worlds hadn't happened for my list. It was all based on, like, what you... So, like, do I now get to include, like, Worlds have, having happened? Oh, no, obvious, obviously... Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, obviously, oh, right, okay. uh, yeah, based on what you've seen, this is... Essentially, we're correcting our list, so even though they're pre-tournament right. predictions in, in actuality, we're not oh, changing like, our okay. list. Oh, okay. Well, it's like yeah, it's you could, Like, if, yeah. if, you, if you were a time traveler now and you could go back and change one thing on your list, basically, to look smarter, let's just put it that way, what would, oh, be, right. the, what would be the one thing that you would change on your list? While you're pondering that, because I do understand that, you know, not necessarily the easiest thing to just uh, come up with on the spot... Uh, I will just quickly check mine, and I think. Oh God, I had such a good list. I, I can I? start talking about mine if you want time. Just mine yeah, easy. go, go, go. Re I would remove Keen from my list because, like Keen, I don't think Keen had like any games at Worlds that justified like his placing. I think Keen's placing at the time, in terms of like who Katie were as a team, 
and LCK was justified, but that version of Kane like did not have the production or the team fight execution or like the side laning execution that I think was required. I, I, a lot of people were talking up Cuz, and I actually think Cuz done quite hard by Kane in some of the situations. But in general, I would replace Kane. Oh, Cuz and... was great at like half of the game. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. His his early game was actually pretty good at points, and his skirmishing was good. And then team fights happen, and then just like someone's subbed in a different player. But I would take I would take out Kane. And I would just put in. I, I'm, now this is just off the top of my head. I would have a T1 player in there because of now the turn. And probably mm, yeah. from if I if, remember, because my criteria was all of the year, but preferring the stuff that happened in summer. If I include summer and the games that have been played at Worlds, it would actually be Guma somehow. Even though Korea's oh, he's been, been the most consistent. Yeah. So because Korea has been better at Worlds, but Guma was the best player in T1 all of summer reg summer playoffs and then he was also still pretty good at worlds and so i would probably just replace kim with guma okay so tarzan gets to stay on your list okay interesting uh i mean we, we by the way we have different criteria obviously for my, if i had had tarzan on my list i would have to remove him right because my criteria was mm. i'm projecting who the 10 best players at world that, that will was be. similar to me but yours well, is obviously yeah. based on summer and stuff. But Tarzan year, had so. some okay games at World where like and he was eighth on my list where Kim was not Javan. Just like and so like but like for example like Tarzan, even though that series there like leaves such like a black stain, there was like some like good yeah. where I actually don't think Keen played like almost any like games that great at all. And I don't know. I'd be either of those two, though, Rich. You're right. Oh, right. I mean, we, we, we can agree yeah. that you have multiple terrible takes, Kira. Don't worry. I think we, I think we all agree on that. Uh, Nightmare, yeah, what, okay. what, would, uh, okay. what would yours so, be? I've been started thinking about it for a little while because... So my top five were Ruler, Scout, Kanavi, Knight, then Chovy. Obviously, Good Scout had a one. huge... I actually <laughs> think that Knight had one of his worst series of the year in quarterfinals, even though he had some great moments in it. Yeah, like, it wasn't great. Yeah. Things are like, no, that's that's crazy, right? When you think actually, oh, it's probably one of his weakest series. He got solo killed by BDD. Like, yeah, he's still freaking carried half the fights on Nico, right? With the four-man pop loss and run back. Yeah, like, yeah. this guy's really good. Um, I still think I'm keeping him behind Kanavi. I think that Kanavi Knight in 3-4 for some more. Scout is just a sad one. I don't think it's the most egregious error on my list because then after you've got, like, Peanut at six, if Peanut's going, it's just for who. Mm. Um, and then below that, I have 369 Bin, Missing, and Gala. They're all fine. And I, and I think they're actually all fine. Peanut's especially... the egregious one. Uh, the, Peanut's the one where I'm like, I may have... You know that George Lucas bit when he's like, I may have gone a bit too far at some <laughs> points. That that was the <laughs> one which went a little bit too far. And I will accept that. At the end of the day, I didn't put Trovi as number one, so I feel bad. I feel like I can still accept my list as somewhat valid. Um, I think Peanut's going is just... I think it has to be a T1 member. I think... I think it's either it's either Goomer or Carrier. It's just which one I want to put. Yeah, in that's there. where I'm at. Yeah. Um, I th think I'm putting Goomer, um, because I think I would feel a little bit bad to have Carrier three places ahead of Missing, who I still think is actually very good. Um, and as much as I say that Carrier might be the difference maker in Champion Pool in that semifinals as it comes up, and maybe that will in retrospect allow carrier to be up there at number six or whatever i think i think goomer as he said is really really consistent the guy played the poke virus in a way that i don't think we've had another poke virus of worlds now thinking about it um i i would put goomer at six although honestly carrier could have been there too 
You know what's super embarrassing is that I forgot that I also had Tarzan on my list. I completely forgot. I completely forgot. Victory is mine. Oh my goodness! I completely forgot about that. He only made it on my honorable mentions. And you know that you know the even worse thing is that even though I also have Tarzan on my list, I still think I have to get rid of Peanut, not yeah. Tarzan. <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. It's uh, I it's love a how the entirety of that episode is always like, ah, oh, Tarzan's not a choker. The late game, so, he never gets smited against. <laughs> he got outsmited several times. Yeah, no, it was a, it's a bad look for, for, for my list. Okay. It's a learning experience, so, folks. Learning experience. Here's what's happening, because this is a singular move. Okay, so bear with me. So Peanut's out. The, my goat, you know, he has to do goat things next whilst, I guess. He's just out. Everyone else gets bumped up, which unfortunately does also mean, I guess, Tarzan goes up one spot from nine to eight. And mm -hmm. I'm going... Well, it's, I can only do one move, right? If I then I move... I can't move Tarzan down or up, uh, either eliminate him or not. So they all move up one. So the guy joining the bottom of the list, I'm going full Reddit here. I'm going Faker. I'm going Faker, baby. Oh, we're back you. to... We're I going back you. to Riot top 20 players in the hey. world. And we're putting oh, Faker number one. I mean, he's the only but player to beat Oriana as Azir. The only never lost, never lost the LPL in the best of at Worlds. Never. Eight World Championships. Eight World Semi-Finals, baby. Faker the GOAT. <laughs> anyway, but... In all seriousness, I'm going to justify this, not just with uh, stats. You can and justify this. You I can, can justify it. You can. Do you How know what I'm going to do? Would it have been if I put Faker at two over Scout and replaced that? <laughs> that would have been. He outperformed him, you know. <laughs> exactly. True. Emma May maths. He should be pound for pound too now. <laughs> but okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my logic for Peanut and I'm going to transfer it to the guy oh. who's replacing him. Faker is T1. Faker is T1. He's everything about how T1 work, how they play the game. The shot calling is Faker. The macro <laughs> is attributed to Faker. It's just all Faker all day, baby. Faker deserves his spot. If you talk about influence on a team, and currently the two best informed teams in the world right now are JDG and T1, and Faker is the epicenter slash mastermind, whatever you want to call it, of T1. I think that's a justifiable pick. And I've got a, you and know, a little bit of the peanut take has to survive, you know, for, for my dignity. Ben is so. now the shot caller of BLG and their best player. And <laughs> he was also the GM. He also hired Tabe and also... Uh, a talented know. young man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ben's been still above Faker on my list, so you know I'll, I'll, I'll go along with that. I'll take all of that. Don't you worry. You know, I, I will say actually, you know, if I ha had to revisit the list in full, I would also consider putting Delight on the list as well, despite them oh. going in the corner. I actually think Delight had a really good world. So I feel yeah. really bad for him. He's he is was by far the most consistent member of Ge uh, of Gen G, um, including the the five game series as well. When I rewatched, by the way, okay, because I I I was swathering between the two. The only thing I would change about my list is I would actually have. No, 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 because like that's something I had like Zeus, and I would actually attribute more of T One success to Guma, mm. and the run up to Worlds that I, I attributed too much to Zeus at the yeah, time. Yeah, actually, Guma on even pre Worlds yeah, Guma was was legit yeah, on that list. Yeah, like I, when I rewatch like what do you call it, like T One going into Worlds, I attributed like too much of like uh, too much success of, of that team to Zeus, and it probably should have been Guma that was there originally, but then I had to read that. I wasn't removing Zeus to put Guma in, so I just removed yeah. 
Kinnan one fans. thing which is quite interesting though this is like an overall point in terms because i remember when we were talking about these lists in the first place there was a lot of talk about well how much can you really rate ad carries because it's such an ad carry centric yeah, meta exactly, that yeah. facilitated a lot worlds has actually not been that ad carry centric I it has been on, an awful lot of yeah. mid laners doing a lot of big stuff and some and jungle top. support stuff and there's been some support stuff too it's only really been the very best AD carries that have made the game about them. And of course, T1 are now drafting to allow that as well. It is a completely different archetype of meta than we've had the entirety of the year, which has changed some of our power rankings a bit. Yeah. I would also say all those shouts to put Teddy Yuck on T1 instead of Gumi Yoshi for a sort of one year, 18 yeah. months ago are not aging too well. Not aging too well. <laughs> um, right. Let's talk about these uh, semifinals then. Obviously, the first one is uh, Weaboo, uh, Team Cadral versus BLG. Um, yeah, I'm, as I said, the, the, the road ends here. 3-0, BLG. I know what Nightmare said is definitely true that Weibo, to a certain extent, plays to the level of their opposition, but that does not mean that it's going to be a five-game series just because they're up their game because it's a better team, you know. I think BLG dispose of these frauds very quickly. I'm saying 3-0, uh, and I'm not going to justify it beyond that because I want to hear what you guys have to think. So, Kira, what do you think of this this series? 3-1, I think, I think Weiwei and Light can get it done in one game. I think Weiwei can create mm. enough early advantages through early risks, high-risk situations, and they'll be able to snowball one game. The problem is, is I think the Shy still pretty good in the idea of like the lane being a 1v1 but just a 1v1 as in like no one can interfere with it but when you start introducing jungle he's just like a worse player in every regard compared to Bim but how quickly can he find like health advantages on Bim because Bim plays on like a wire and it's easy to fall off off it you know he has that like that 1v1 yeah he has that 1v1 against uh, BB where BB turns into Nar and throws the E at him but if like BB, if the BB lands at E, like BB solo kills him. But it's only because Ben dodges it. I like, think it was the... even Xiaohu that was talking about BLG in another interview, saying that actually, you know, like I'm very interested to see how other teams play against BLG because every single lane plays like psychopaths. Like that, he said that directly in an interview, pretty much saying like all of their lanes are very aggressive. Yeah, uh, the, one of the interesting things is can Xiaohu find like winning angles into your girl? Because I think your girl is quite quietly having not that great a time at Worlds. Yeah. Um and, but like, it's just kind of it's just kind of hard. Like, what versions of like Xiaohu do you get? Do you get like the Game Three Jace or do you get the yeah. you know the Paper I, Tiger? I didn't expect Xiaohu to be the one that was suffering like that this Worlds. I I thought that would be very much like. Anyone else but lights. <laughs> I basically think there's a, there's enough here, okay, for them to find. I think there's enough here for them to find one win. There is a one winning angle for Wable Gaming, as if they can create, do basically a T1 and have like Chris play like these support picks and, you know, try and create bot leads and snowball those. I think that could be relatively consistent into Elk on, but. I'm not all that sure how reliable that will be. Uh, 
yeah, I'm quite happy with that. It's it's kind of a hard matchup to like shadow box. The problem is that, and this is where it gets really scary. BL because like for in terms of their team fighting, when wearable gaming is at their best, it's like when Xiaohu and the Shy are playing very well. BLG are really good at isolating, um, like single targets and just like yes. picking them out of team fights, and so I think. BL, unless Light's got massive advantages, even if the, the, the Shy and Xiaohu have leads, I feel like BLG can get those leads back or like pick people off like pre-fight. So, Funnily enough, remember the series yeah. between Weibo and Mad, when we talk about picking these isolated targets, the Shy has typically been one of the targets which has been out of position quite a lot and then been pounced on. There was a point where, like, when Mad, like, lost their series versus Weber because the Shy was slightly out of position, but Mad kind of mis-executed and killing the Aatrox on the flank. Oh, yeah. If that's BLG, Weber probably lose that kind of game. Um, so I think this will be quite a close series, but with the facts you mentioned, particularly in terms of, like, how out of position people are and how many resources has Light got to actually pick up the pieces for a team fight like that, we could be in for a five game. I think Light could just also choke out as well. Like, that is always on the card. I will just place that underneath him because that is, like, as a player, for me, I've just seen it way too many times for me to say it's not a factor. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's like, if we were talking about Zeus playing in World's Finals against fucking Billy Nobles, right? You would both say to me, yeah, but Zeus could choke. You would bring that up as, like, a factor that can happen to, like, Zeus. Like, well, Light's, like, similar in terms of, like, I've seen it too much to not mention it. So I assume you're, even though you said five games, I assume you are leaning BLG Nightmare. Is that fair? Um. Oh, let me. Whoa! Think. If you go wearable here, man, that's Ooh, crazy. That's a that's, that's a hot take. That's a that's potential hot take. Go on, Nightmare, uh, cook I'm, that I'm take. To, no, no, no. Come it's, on, it, it's, commit. It is, it's. Come on, come on. You know what the best? You know what the to. best takes are, Nymera? They're takes that are coerced out of the person against their free will. <laughs> the ones that are wrong. Fuck. Um, so I think I before <laughs> to buy myself time before committing to things. I think that both of these teams are ones that once they get a lead. I mean, for BLG, this is quite out of character for them against Gen G. Once these teams get a lead, oh my word, they know how to close a game as well. Typically. Um, I think that Weibo, we saw this in their series versus Top Esports when they were qualifying for World 2, or at least in the first round of it, where once Weiwei was on Poppy and like slamming in early ganks and stuff like that, Rel as well, if Weiwei gets a dominant early matchup in jungle, I'm very interested to see what BLG can do to stop that, because I think that that's where they could fall apart. I think that BLG have, t have also, I mean, in the games versus T1, right, they got blasted in some of their early games too, um, particularly because Shun picked something like a Nidalee and didn't execute on it well. I don't... Oh, I don't know if Weibo have enough picks to facilitate that kind of early game. That's my problem. I think if Weibo can snowball early game, they can beat BLG. Um, I think an even team fights BLG win, even if the Shy and, and um, Xiaohu are on form... I think if BLG are similarly on form, I give that to BLG in terms of their team fighting. They're too coordinated. They are very, very proactive. They will catch you out of position. Oh, bugger it. Sure, Weibo in five games. There they we go. Find it, find it. They find another pick to screw over early game and BLG don't know what to do. It, that's how they win. Like Somehow Wei they, they disrespect like some champion pool from Weiwei and Weiwei has a good series. I think that's the failing point too. If Weiwei has a bad series, BLG blow the series wide open. There we go. 
a fully committed take that he full-heartedly <laughs> believes deep down yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly what we want uh right I think everyone everyone in the youtube comments and stuff should be like oh my god i can't i, I can't believe that this way by blue yeah you know yeah. completely wholeheartedly went towards that'll this. be the reddit time sam <laughs> don't you worry yeah uh right now to what is very interesting Wait, yeah. one last thing the go, last go, thing go. about that series is because Weibo's super team aspirations were crushed by BLG 3-0 in spring playoffs. That's when like everyone's like, oh Weibo, they're gonna come online, they'll be the team to be in finals. BLG became the team that Weibo wanted to. BLG had zero expectations, they crushed Weibo, and they went to MSI finals in their spring finals. This would be like the ultimate like screw you to BLG for messing up Weibo's year. That would be chef's kiss in terms of the storylines too. It's actually a great series coming from an LPL perspective. So there you go. He's not just picking them. He's also a big fan. So yeah. uh, there yeah. we go. <laughs> uh, right. Now moving on to uh, T1 JDG, which if you'd ask everyone at the start of Worlds, would that be a good series? We'd probably say uh, no. I'll probably not even bother watching that one. But as it turns out, T1 look uh, razor sharp and JDG while looking as talented as ever, not necessarily you know, as super clean and coordinated as they might hope to be. So where where does this go? I will, uh, actually, no, I will not start. I will start by passing this over to Mr. Kira. Uh, how do you see this series? By the way, interesting tidbit before you answer. I believe this is correct. I believe that the um, LOL Esports website has this correct way around. I don't know why this would be the case. Maybe one of you has an insight on this. I believe T1 has side selection. If that's true, I don't know why that's true, but on the website, the case, on so. the website, it's T1 versus JDG, and I think that's usually correct. I think they do usually get the side selection thing correct. It's a I coin flip for semis, isn't it? No, oh, is it? Why is it, it be a coin flip? JDG or the or Swiss or the higher seed? Normally, that's the case, but in semis, I thought that no longer. Um, was if there's the coin cost in, that's so fucking. Shit. I thought I, I thought that from beyond first round of playoffs because I remember this being the same kind of thing in MSI as well. I seem to remember it's coin flip for beyond. But they were non-seeded at MSI, so I can understand why because everyone came mm. in as the same sort of seed. Yeah, but when you get to knockouts, it's like you. St oh, that's true. Actually, yeah, that is a bit it's weird. Plus, you can keep your seed moving forward unless you meet a no, seed but, but that's the same MSI, level. MSI last year, I'm pretty sure finals was in a coin flip to R. But that was the RNG T1 finals. I am not a hundred percent sure now, because um, what I have, I mean, what I see on the semi-finals from from Leaguepedia, I have like JDG T1 um, with JDG. Like, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'd have to see the ruling. I sure. think you're correct. I'm going to say it says in the following matches, the side selection privilege will be determined by coin flip. Yeah, because so, uh... beyond beyond first round, it's like. The seeding matters less because you've already overcome your first round opponent because there are other metrics you could do, say, who won in the best game score. You know, in that case, that'd be T1. Yeah, but I, I don't I, think that's happened at a league event before, so that's not relevant. But, like, I don't know exactly how they break that. I have always assumed that it's coin flip beyond first round. That's so silly because they put the it Swiss... Is. Yeah, because they put the Swiss seeds on opposite sides of the brackets because yep. that's... The oh, Swiss... true, yeah. So I don't know, get it? Like JDG and Genji have uniquely got the best Swiss seed, and so they should just continue to hold side select mm, as in the yeah. I'm not like that interested. Like, whatever it is. I mean, either way, it's in, in, it is a meaningful piece of context which we may not quite yet have. But um, according to this article, um, yeah, it's coined in the, in the following matches. The side select privilege will be determined by coin flip. All matches of BO5 knockout stage. Yeah, so, so what happens with BLG November Weibo 11. because they're both three two from Swiss? Then you would then you would coin toss. 
Yeah, but that that's where mm. it gets messy. I, I I'd like to see if there's any official communication on that. And of course, if anyone does know, let us. Yeah, this is on esports.gg, <laughs> and it's it's showing oh. the full format, and it says that. I mean, as, unless I'm misreading something, it does say that it will be coin toss. Right. But anyway, um, let's. I guess for now, at least, not factor inside side selection. Kira, what what do you think of of this series? Are you a uh, a believer now in T1? Do you think they have a good nah, shot here? I think GDG should win still, but I think it's, it could be a lot. The T1 can make it a lot closer. I think home. So, by the way, just like before a... just before you go again, just to remind people, they did of course go five games with JDG at MSI when they yes. were not necessarily like looking shit hot uh, all year, but still managed to pull out that performance. So yeah, sorry, on you go. No, Kira. no, no. T1 going into MSI were like the best team. Yeah, going into, MSI, yeah going into MSI, they were looking very... My point is like, over the course of the year, they've not always looked the best. But Yeah, uh, yeah. Summers when the T1 dynasty just they began yeah. to like corrode. Um, So, and they also lost the lower bracket games. That's where all the shit started. GDG. Okay, so I still think GDG should win. But I think it could be a lot harder. It depends on like how, what home, how home thinks about like the series and the players on like the uh, GDG, because the bot lane thing. I don't. I think if T1 want to create it, they can always almost always have the winning bot lane if they want to. Now, in the face of like what scaling picks and what other things ruler will, may get in your attempt to do this. I cannot say. I think the key to unlocking this series, for me, is just have Knight matched uh, Faker mid, and actually just have Kanavi like play two v two, two v one mid situations with Knight. Because if you get like Knight ahead against like Faker, Faker uh, Knight can just first of all like on almost any team fighting pack, he can just be as good as like anyone in the world. And he can also fix like the rest of like the map states. I think if you look at what 369 is going to play, he's most likely a majority of the matchups either are going to attempt to just like split lanes or and with Zeus, or he's going to attempt to just like lose like gracefully on like the Gragas and supply like team utility. At the end of the day, majority of the game are going to come down to team fights, and I think. JDG will st across the average will just execute better than T1. The depth of like play that like Knight can come from because he's already showed like the Vex, and he's already showed like he has the the Akali as well. He obviously he's like he can challenge out the Silas and the Azir. <clears throat> his Ori is probably the worst of the elite mid laners. His laning on Oriana is probably the worst. Uh and he has like the poorest understanding. Off like the pick in terms of like laning fundamentals, but it's still very good. And obviously, he can still move over to the Jace. So there's all massive like depth of where he can go. If the first fifteen minutes are kept relatively stable for GDG, yeah, that's my I question. don't, <laughs> I, I don't think there is like a way that like T1 can yeah. like, can win. T, I think T1 are going to have to take like risks and attempt to accumulate advantages, and T, JDG can prey on that like. The fact that they are like going to open themselves up to, you know, what I mean, like pushing lanes, yeah. attempting bot dives, and <laughs> a lot of it comes to again. Majority of the time, when Kanavi plays well, JDG front run and they just steamroll you. 
and then the games where Canavi plays okay to like not so great, they tend to be like the miracle games where like JDG likes team fighting and it's the most like insane stuff you've ever seen. So if like Canavi can keep on top of owner and like path towards ball and jungle effectively, I think there's love. I just I feel like JDG have to like underperform like across the board quite consistently for like T1 to win all five, like a, a BO5 against them. Like well, something that, has to. That's where I'm a little, that's where I'm now questioning it. I think obviously in Swiss, I would have said that. I'm just really worried about this bot lane champion pool stuff now because you were just saying, okay, well, what scaling picks are going to come out of ruler and stuff like that. If we get another like Sivir Akan game, how is that going to factor against the Varus Ash or the but he can play like Jinx that like he can play like a Jinx that Gala is <laughs> less likely to play and Jinx can use uh rockets on wave one and two uh with extra range to try try and create a situation where wave three bounces back into her so even though mm. the, the enemy team might be on Varus Ash you actually are a safer for a longer period of time and you can almost reach level five on Jinx if you play it properly without being threatened oh, I... Nah, not not after Jinx. Jinx has had a lot of base stat nerfs since she was like really a matter. And I think like you hit hit like one volley and one E from Varus. Like Varus is kind of like that great, you know, un unstoppable force in lane because even against stuff like Caitlyn and Jinx, he just hits you with an E and then like you start at your rocket lane range at level one. So, but like you can eat a hard trade. So, that, so that's like, what you, I'm worried about. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I 100% agree. Varus Ash, you can't do that again. But let's yeah. just say it's like Varus Renata or like it's mm. like, you know what I mean? Some like version of like that. Like that's way more people. I actually don't think there's many lanes that it would have to be some toxic Draven lane that really beats Varus Ash or like. I don't even think I can't. Well, Callista and... can sometimes with a cleanse yeah, early. Like, yeah, level yeah, one, you yeah. can cleanse kill. Um, but yeah, my, my point is that well. JDG have not been playing for lane dominance. And they honestly haven't done for but most of this But they did play Yeah. They have played, yes, they have got that Callista, which is why I'm interested in seeing how that plays out. If T1 are on former round bot lane and Carrier has a load of picks prepared, I mean, we even saw some high midinger coming out of Crisp, right? From Weibo, maybe that's been in scrims too around the place. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if T1 really rocked JGG through the bot side of the map. I think there's two phases to this, though. Because I think there is a response from JDG where we've seen, as you said, with the Vex and also the Ari, there's a chance that we get kill, dive, mid-jungle, which can get lane control yeah. earlier than rain, roam bot lane. I, I think this can be close. I think on current form... Oh, God, it's hard to say, actually. Because um, this is again going to lead to the same situation that maybe you have the isolated top lane matchup, and then even if you're playing Gragas up top lane or something like that, there's a chance that Zaz gets like a really good Jace angle into it. This That's should true. be a close series. I'm actually going to edge towards T1 because when JDG have lost, it has been against very, very strong bot lane performances which stop Ruler from getting online. But I can see it being turned around because T1 make a mistake and in the same way that all pushing lanes have happened particularly before the teleport changes came through where you could just teleport behind a Caitlyn at level 4 and she'd just die. If you make a mistake early enough then that gameplay just falls apart. JDG haven't been the cleanest team though. Against uh, KT they, they they really messed up sometimes in the early game and actually we were saying this in our, in our um, last episode I was on as well um, JDG actually on the whole are behind at the 15 minute mark. They just like get to the point where they team don't fighting care. they don't care now obviously the other side is that if jdg are ahead early then the game's just over mm. whenever they get a lead they just cr crush the game i'm edging slightly towards t1 though because of the bot lane adaptations i don't think jdg have enough lane dominant bot lane picks in the pocket to make sure that t1 can't just roll through the bot side of the map for, so for I, best of five so here's the <laughs> thing the problem with these like bot lane like 
picks, and this is where their weakness like comes in. <clears throat> so you have like Ash, Renata. Oh yeah, if you Melio. look at into that, then they just melt. But... Yeah, and this is what I was about to get to, okay, is, are we going to start banning, and this is what we're going to do, so we're going to ba start banning, like, Callista to win the lane early, so we're now banning Callista, right, Zaya because we don't want Rula playing it, and then a Wukong. Like, do you think, like, T1's bans are going to be that, those three champions that consistently? I think you can get away with playing against the Callista if you're willing to early pay. It depends on the red. It, yeah, this is where the red side blue side dynamic yeah. comes into. Yeah, and I know, I, I, I know <laughs> it gets harder to headcanon, but those like those three bands as like positive as they seem, they don't seem like that serious, and they don't look to me. They look like you're like plugging holes in a ship that's already going to leak, mm. leak uh, a ship that's already going to sink, rather than uh, you're going to be able to from those bands create like many winning situations. The other thing you talked about the Wukong is. Uh, T1 can play like a sta very like static like team comms like Azir, Jace. I know they're like mobile within a skirmish, but what I mean is is like GDG don't just flank; they do like triple pronged attack attacks where they'll TP TP, yeah, or they'll have missing be on a permanent flank, and they'll come at you from like three angles. And this is where like picks like Renata, Ash, oh yeah, they can Jace, really struggle. Azir, the all these picks in these situations, Jinx of Gumas playing Jinx, mm. they all shit their pants in these situations. One thing nobody really, as again, talked about it, and everyone's forgetting, Guma can play Draven. And this is a big problem of that a lot of people haven't asked. As like, everyone talks about like Han Sama's, like Draven having to be Paravan. Guma has not had to resort to using Draven yet at Worlds, but he can still Oh, there's a chance to see Caitlyn's too. I mean, yeah. Guma's arguably the best Caitlyn player in the world too, so. Yeah, but that, that's what I'm saying. I think GD from, I would think GDG will most likely Permaban Caitlyn. Especially if it's a flex between carriers. Uh, yeah, I, I think one hundred. I think yeah. if home, I think they will like this is like the type of thing home will do. They'll mm. ban it game one, and if they win game one, they'll then unban it and then probably lose to it in game two. Yeah. And classic like JDG style. Yep. Um, the there's like another like pick. So like you've got the, the like the Draven, which is like, you know what I mean? Like, like that can you can solve a bullet teams. Where does T1 ban Nico? Because we're talking about this and now, where did T1 ban Nico? Because I genuinely, yeah. like, it's one of these picks where it's like, Knight's Ari, Knight Nico is just, I, I, we've seen it against LNG, 5,000, 6,000, 8,000 go down, and it's just four man, five man, four man alts, like, back to back to back. I don't, like, do do you just, do if you're T1, do you ego draft it like Homewood? Do you give them it and try and beat them on it? Like, <clears throat> Because if you do that, that sets a precedent in the series. Because like, yeah. are, is the night going to go back to back, Nikos? Like, yeah. There's, well, it there's... depends. I mean, Faker just outvalued Scout. Yes, Scout kind of choked a little bit. Knight hasn't had the best performances so far. Maybe you give over the Oriana and just say, oh, you can have that because you've not looked so good on it. And maybe they're still in their heads thinking that okay, Oriana's more valuable. There's, there's some chances that this happens. Um... And what if they powerpuff girls them? They go Aria Luluvi. Like GDG can still just powerpuff girl any team in the world because Knight is I've just never the heard best. That before. That's great. That they are they are just like the best powerpuff team and the powerpuff girl team in the world. They, yeah, they just yeah. descend on one person and they're like, I'm going to I, drag I you on, to that. On the bit. whole, I agree. If it comes down to like kill mid jungle, like point and click dive onto them from JDG, I think that it becomes more JDG favored. I just I just have this feeling that T1 are going to wreck through bot lane laning phase because JDG have not they've not focused that so far and I think that could really yeah. rock them. But like I I, like, I agree like and I, I my thing is, is I think like 
like I hope that home and the players will find like ways to like conquer it mm. outside mm. of just like pick and ban. But for me, there's so many places GDG can go to even when they're behind, they can effectively get back gold leads. Like even let's think about like um Jace, okay. Like this is like isolated Jace into like a Gragas matchup. J which is like that that's like a great gold accumulation lane. Jace accumulates lots and lots of gold versus Gragas. But the way the way the lane comes back to you is Gragas can displace you as Jace at like any point in the game and you just become this isolated target that explodes. You you stick a Vi in there, you stick an R in there, it starts getting really, really hard to play the play the game. And also, the other thing we've got to bring to context is has Ruler played Zaya at this Worlds? Uh I'm you know what? I can't remember exactly everything they've played this was. Let's have a thing. I don't think he has. I think it's been permaban. No, he's not. No, he's played Kaiser, Zeri, Callista, Jinx, and Sivir. So we are now at a, like a point of like uh, again the Sivir, another anti D push like hero. Um, we're at the point where like Ruler isn't even playing like his best pick. Like we're having like someone who's like defined a lot of like draft and he like I, I just don't know. Like as long as home like stays like human and the player level mm -hmm. is there. I just don't know how you ban everything as T1 and you consistently find like winning strategies because so much of it evolves around bot execution. Which I think is amazing. I actually do think Guma Korea, if it, if you played five games, could win all five bot ends. They're that good at executing. But this is the thing, because for me, I, I feel like the win con for T1 is... Um, singular. Again, well, no, it, it's, again, it's similar... It's a bit different in this context because of the kinds of things that Knight wants, how Knight wants to play team fights. But I feel like, again, Faker is on losing gracefully duty. Where anything beyond that, bonus wise, is, is great or whatever. And the onus is on owner to basically make sure bot is winning. That is essentially how I feel like this series needs to go. And I think you can kind of make the match up more simple that way than thinking about all the picks that jdg are really good on yeah. and what they have to bat you can't look at it like that in in this matchup because it won't work you're then just doing like draft simulator you have to decide how you want to play specifically which in my opinion has to be owner going hard to bot side and then draft around that draft around that being like mm. the main thing that you need to to win the game so and yeah go on one of t1's loss conditions has been owner playing like crap when yeah, owner has yeah. been off, the team falls apart. One thing which makes his job so much easier, though, is actually him not being the focal point. If bot lane is playing for a hard dominate lane, owner is then a facilitator. I don't think owner is great when he has to be the main character and stuff like that. And you know, in the quarterfinals they just played now as well, like he was going into the enemy jungle and unless he's noob stomping. I don't mean yeah. to be you know disparaging, yeah. but like you know, least in owner games against lesser yeah. competition are great, but he doesn't tend but, to do. But that, like yeah. when he has like a hyper winning lane, yes, it's a double edged sword. You know, if you lose that lane, it doesn't have any value, something like that. But when it's actually not about owner, owner plays so much better with the draft with like. The, the strategic pressure being off of him. Um, and I think we've seen this, I think we've seen um, T1 be very effective when actually Faker has the pressure on him as well, typically. Like we've seen a couple of games today where it's like, yeah, they're just going to throw resources mid, but Faker's just playing how he's done since like season five, six, where everyone throws up something at him and he just like typically takes the pressure. Yeah, maybe he dies once, but he's going to be useful later on. I I'm quite interested to see if Ona will be able to match the level of performance he had today. Yes, Tarzan was off. Yes, you had a lot of extra factors in there too. But if this is going to be the new style of T1 for this world, where they are playing towards heavy pressure bot lane, I think it makes Ona's job a lot easier. And it, it hides his flaws as a player, which we have seen be quite disastrous when they're on the show for T1. Yeah. 
no, I agree. So he, let me get, let me squeeze an actual prediction out of you, Nymera. You're not getting away with it that easy. I think three two two one. Oof. And Kira, you were three one JDG. Three one three two JDG. Mm, interesting. Oh God. If JDG starts on red side, it like it's <clears throat> way more likely that it's three two. But JDG, I think. There are like there are like versions of the, oh I think there's also versions of this game I'm gonna go out on here that are also just like he one don't find solutions quick enough to what JDG's doing and it gets like super hairy like super quickly because like losing to GDG is, reportedly is just fucking demoralizing like the way the way they like beat you like mm. look at all the B, the way BLG players like lose them in series they we do know like, that T1 are a very mental-based team. Like, yeah, 12, Carrier, gold they lead. fall apart when stuff goes wrong. Mm. 12,000 gold lead losing games and stuff to, like, mm. GDG, like, where you have, like, three Drakes, and, like, those can feel good. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a mega-interesting series. I, but I said that about T1 and LNG, and it was a stomp, so... Who yeah. knows? I think T1 are capable, at least. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with JDG, uh, 3-0. I'm going to predict that it's... Any uh, logic behind that? or? Yeah, no, I just think that... Okay, there's two things you have to keep in mind here, Nymera. First of all, is that I am first and foremost a um, Joe Marsh hater. So <laughs> I need to make sure that T1 don't oh, win gosh. Worlds because the longer that goes on, the longer I can shit on this guy's uh, whole career. So that's first Wonderful. and foremost. Has nothing to do with the prediction, of course, but I just thought I'd throw that out there, you know. Uh, in terms of any logic, I'd say JDG are a better team with better players, and I feel like this T1's fans... Thanks for that insight, Rich. Well, yep, yeah, this T1's fans' wet dream has to come to an end at some point. I also do just think that, like, the, the Faker Dam will kind of break to a certain extent this series. Not necessarily that he's going to be, like solo killed in lane over and over. Like, i don't see that happening fake is not stupid but i do think partially to kira's point even though i also somewhat argued against what i would do if i was t1 um i think that knight's impact in fights will be so much greater than fakers and that they, they won't be able to cover all the picks and angles that knight will be able to get in team fights and i think that jdg will ultimately win between that in fact i'm going to predict that knight doesn't get it over faker super hard in lane i don't think that's going to be like a particularly interesting issue when the series actually plays out that's how people will bill it you know beforehand like faker versus not i don't think that will actually be very important but i think in the team fights it'll be super important and i feel like t1 will win or could win games potentially like through a bot lane execution um four man bots going really well early and get Goomer and Kyria ahead early that could happen but I do just feel like most of these games are not going to be 15 minutes and uh T1 has like a 4k lead and therefore they can just kind of snowball it from there I think the gold will be sufficiently close even when T1 gets leads that ultimately most of these uh, games will come down to team fighting and JDG will just win off superior and more consistent team mm -hmm. fighting I think the thing with when we talk about the last series of like JDG versus KT and we say JDG didn't play that well, I don't think any of the players individually 
particularly underperformed. Yes. I feel that it was just more than it was. I think Nate didn't win. I think Knight, Nate, did, Knight is the one Nate's who... winning was garbage. Not, yeah. Well, Knight, Knight was the one who was furthest away from his par, but he was still playing fights really yeah, well Nate. for the yeah. most still part. Nate. Yeah, this yeah. is the thing. I, I think it was it's more like, of a strategic thing, right? Like we were saying, like they actually struggled to enable Ruler, and Ruler, once he was enabled, even if it was just through his sheer bloody-mindedness, basically won them a couple of games with the Saver and the, the Kaiser. Like, the guy's really good. Now, if they managed to enable Ruler, like, this is just lights out. Yeah. I mean, but it's it's a best of five series where one team's individual player flaws are all sky fucking high. All of these players, three, six, nine, uh, Kanavi, I guess, is the most sort of like he could have a bad game kind of thing. But Knight's flaws incredibly high, Ruler's flaws incredibly high, missing flaws very high, and I just feel like owner's floor is pretty low. Faker's floor is pretty low fuck it zeus's floor is kind of low and then yeah and then you're you're really uh hoping that i mean the bot lane's floor is the least low but Kyria's floor is still kind of low and historically Guma Yushi's floor is really fucking low. Not so much recently. Ah, but it's but... not a finals, Rich. It's well, not a finals. It, yeah, let me, let me try and turn your cheeks with this. Do you know about the 369 thing? That if 369 wins worlds, he'll have one, he'll have exactly 369 yes. wins. Yeah, yeah. And, and they'll complete the golden road. Now, tell me that the, through the laws of numerology, right, okay? Yeah, there you go. It's not that's like, to happen. That's, that's like, you know, if you cut the pyramid in half and spread it across the field it's the same circumference as the world or some bullshit like yeah no i'm all in mate i i buy it i buy it uh yeah so that is why as i said i actually think it could easily be a 3-0 jdg um so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go 3-1 fuck i'll go 3-1 i do think that t1 will get off and consecutive executes in bot lane in at least one game where they are sufficiently far ahead. I think they may get ahead in multiple games, but it won't be enough to overcome the team fights that then uh, mm. succeed those situations. Does anyone so... want to say it, that this is the real final? Does anyone want to say it? No? Not brave enough? It's not. You know, one of the reasons why it's <laughs> not is that I could actually see a universe potentially where somehow JDG don't win and BLG still smash T1. In fact, that happened at MSI. Well, it didn't happen because yeah. JDG won the season. Or Weibo coin flipping their way to a world title. Nah, but Weibo aren't winning shit. Weibo won't. They're, they're donezo. They're, That's they're... how they get you. No, I don't care. They're, uh, I'm, I, am, I am writing them off. They're written off as far as I'm concerned. But no, but I, by I, the way, like if 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 Weibo do win and Xiaohu has good performances, people have to really evaluate how... Uh, how Xiaohu stacks up in terms of LPL all-time greats, because he is massively underrated because of, like, I don't know, there's been community drama around this guy, because RNG are a very divisive team, even in the Chinese, like, um, like fan community base as well. Yeah. yeah, fan base. They're basically the TSM of um, of the LPL. But, like, Xiaohu, if he wins a world title, he will have won three MSIs in the world. Yeah, like... but, okay, here's the thing. First of all, Fuck, the fuck, team, fuck team achievements in like individual evaluations when we get to the tire echelons for me at least. I don't put it like super yeah, yeah. high up. But also I feel like Zhao who's I feel like to be in the GOAT conversation or like not of, of LPL or, or just in general mm. or whatever, I feel like your ceiling does have to be like ultra high. And I feel like Zhao Hu at his best has not been I like seven. not been like rookie at his best, not been like knight at his best, not been I like seventeen summer. 
I, yeah, but I you're would, talking I about so. like I, a... I would actually say like no, we had a period of being the definitive like best player in the LPL, well, but, and, and also I think uh, in MSI twenty twenty two, um, <laughs> in, on an, I think MSI twenty two, Shaohu kind of like um. So funnily enough, the way that T one played from like twenty two to twenty three. Um, was because Xiaohu beat them with that style at 22. Xiaohu had a very specific style of League of Legends where it was like all about vision control, surprise flanks, and being able to switch sides of the map on how you're playing on it very quickly. Like, I actually think Xiaohu on a macro sense is the best player to ever be in the LPL. Um, even if mechanically in his 1v1s, Ming. like... Yeah, Ming's up there too. I think that, that's the point too. But I think Xiaohu's had some incredible ones. Just throwing that out there, because like we could set up for a T1 or a JD, do the JDG Golden Road, like Faker's fourth world title or something like that. I mean, like Xiaohu, if they ends up pulling something out, and I'm saying that of all the teams to coin flip their way to a world title, it would have to be way probably By the way, teams that could manage that. Again, and embracing my inner editor, if if Faker does win worlds, he is like completely uncatchable because the way that he would have won yes. the way he would have won this world, it's like it's impossible to be a more complete player with different arcs over history while having gone through so many rend different renditions of who you are as a player. You basically went from like the fucking teenage uh, montage solo killer god who's just outhands everyone to now you're basically now you're basically yeah. the GM in game with like no hands comparatively to what you used to be fucking micromanaging like you know all, all, the, all your little bros to a world title like that's that is uncatchable no one's gonna match that like i'll just stick with what actually happens in the server thank you very much uh, yeah but you can't you can't home, hear what happens the goat, in the no, server home's the goat, no home's the goat because he won an ogn and then he had a coaching career where he coached a bunch of lpl winning teams a world championship two of the best teams of all time home's the actual goat like that, that's the real crack shit right there he can be your goat, mate. I'm just... I'm just saying, no one's got that crazy a spread of winning OGN at 30 and then, then coaching people in a completely different way, you know? He's got... Whatever you say about home, he's got a banger career. I, I yeah. do think it's very, very difficult. No, to, but the thing with Faker is, like, we always talk about, like... I'm only joking. God, yeah, no, but we always talk about, like, God of the Gaps and stuff and, like, what do coaches really do? And blah. There aren't really any God of the Gaps with Faker at all. We kind of now have actually more insight into him than any player in like the history of league and we know everything that he's really good at and what his flaws have been at different periods of time and he is just like as i said if he wins worlds again i'm not a big like oh well he got the ring therefore he was the best or whatever like knight is unless i see something crazy like in semi-finals i will not leave that game thinking well yeah. i guess fake is better than knight but just in terms of like what he has managed to do at different points of his life like in the game it will be yeah. such a, an impossibly hard mountain you for like anyone legacy. else to climb it's not about legacy it's about you win it as being the undisputed best by a mile player in the world and then multiple times spiking as the best player in the world to win which culminates in you winning world titles and then years later and by the way making finals in between right and, and then continually staying relevant even when you're not the best as well you don't have like the harsh fall off yeah then we have like the you know t1 with faker t1 without faker kind of thing when people are sort of being like is he getting towards the end of his career or whatever and then to like cap that what that year would be off by winning worlds off the back of now how we know how that team did function even given all the stuff that you said before kira which is of course valid like i do think what the fuck can any player do to match his story? Like, it's impossible, in my opinion. Like, I think that would be uncatchable, realistically. 
But who knows? Mahomes might catch Brady. So I guess anything's possible. Um, but anyway, you yeah. You Manning, don't you? No, I mean Mahomes. <laughs> no, you mean... You oh, sorry. Manning. Oh, very yeah, spicy, yeah, Kieran. Yeah, there we Ma- go. Manning's well, well down my list, buddy. So that one went straight over my head. Uh, oh, he yeah, might be top five. He might be top five. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, in fact, actually, good comparison. Because Manning in that fucking second Super Bowl was... Uh, he was worse than Faker, let's be real. He was basically on his last legs getting absolutely giga-carried by that defense. So Yeah, yeah but it was still counted for your stuff. Not really. I mean, he, <laughs> oh, how, many points, how, many point, how many we'll touchdowns did he we'll score on the way there? Oh, so now what happens in the game matters all of a sudden. <laughs> well, no, because I would, have to be- I would have to believe that that Broncos team was just like super inspired by Painter Manning, but I don't really have evidence for that necessarily. He revolutionized I... the offense like, like they, re- they relied on beforehand. I too understand no. this sport. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> of no. the sports I understand, this is not one of them. But it, Brady Gronk but, scored more points using Brady Manning's uh, own designed play than any other. But it, I'm, just, the, I'm just happy that the All Blacks didn't win another World Cup title. So, you know, I'm just happy with my rugby union. But yeah, to, to cap that, Kira, if I got any starting quarterback and put him in that team, they win the Super Bowl much more easily than they did with Manning. Whereas if I provably, at least if I put one different mid laner in T1, it goes to complete shit uh, if I don't have Faker. So. There you go. Anyway, uh, by the way, what did you just put in your mouth? I'm curious. What are you munching on? Let the people know. I Brazil nuts. Wow. That could have been anything. Funnily enough, they are one of the most radioactive food stuffs you can get. They are very high in potassium. Potassium 52. I did a lab project on it when I did physics. There you go. Stay in school, kids. Uh, Anyway, thank you all for watching. Good luck for your superpowers. Before we go, Nymera, can you leave us with a Latin proverb? Got anything up, up your sleeve? Oh, bugger. I do have them somewhere. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, I think the slain care little if they sleep or rise again. Uh, who's by Isiklus, who is a famous playwright from ancient Greece, known for his tragedies. Uh, Genji might want to study this man. There you go. Uh, and with that, we'll say goodbye. I will leave you with a, a goodbye-themed proverb, which goes, if you're brave enough to say goodbye, life will reward you with a new hello which will be our next show as and when that takes place. So there you go. Uh, Thank you guys all for watching and we will see you next time. Inspiring.